Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. All right, what needs sorting today? What needs sorting today? I watched a British crime drama, and I took note of this particular turn of phrase. It, it seemed to be spoken quite frequently when something was off in a relationship, when something needed to be fixed. One character would say to another, well, I'll get it sorted, or I'm off to sort that. And then after the fact, they would say, it's sorted. It's sorted? Like, we don't that's not a normal turn of phrase for me. And so I got thinking about it and, you know, what they're saying is it's sorted out. I'm going to go sort that out. And now it is sorted out. It is finished. You need not worry about that anymore. Now, to be fair, many of the things that they thought they had sorted didn't stay sorted because they weren't actually sorted. Um, But that's what made it a drama, right? Words and actions have consequences and we can't always see all of those in a given moment, which leads to other things that need to be sorted as the drama unfolds. So that got me thinking. I am so grateful that God has got it all sorted, all of it. God's got sin sorted. He's got brokenness sorted, meanness. I mean, all the stuff you deal with every single day, fear, uh, dilemmas that you're facing, all the ways we break ourselves against his will, all of it, God's Got it sorted. He has sorted it all out. The wheat and the tares, sorted. Good and evil, sorted. Righteousness and unrighteousness, sorted. Sheep and goats, sorted. All of it. So I'm just going to rest in that truth today. And I invite you to do the same. God has got it all sorted out. Our Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Psalm 73, verses 23 and 24. Yet I still belong to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. (laughs) Sorted, my friend. All of it. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. Kay Kiefer is going to join us next. Kay is just like you. Kay listens to Faith Radio. Kay's a wife, a mother, a grandmother. She's a daughter, a sister, a neighbor, a friend, a nurse like you. Kay's life is complex. Uh, One thing you wouldn't know about Kay, she uh, has llamas. Mm -hmm. Um, Kay has, like you, done things in the past that she regrets. Kay is a Christian. She leans on the Lord for his grace. And like you, Kay has a story. And one of the turns in Kay's story includes a decision that she made decades ago to end a pregnancy. Kay had an abortion. And she shares her story with others and helps them tell their stories and find that surpassing peace with God. 
The ministry is We Are Everywhere. You can find it at weareeverywhere.life. And Kay joins us next to answer this question. How many people sitting with me during a church service on Sunday? How many of the people that I worship with in Christian community have been touched by abortion? It's more than you think. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Kay Kiefer joins us now. We are going to talk about We Are Everywhere. WeAreEverywhere.life is the website. Hello, my friend. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I read on WeAreEverywhere.life that one in four women experience abortion by the age of 45. One in four. Um, and then it says we are everywhere. Um, everywhere, including the church. Talk with us about um, some of the things that you know about just how prevalent an experience abortion is for women and men, because obviously they experience it as well. They just experience it differently. Um, how, how are Christians experiencing this in, in our current um, context of Christianity in America? Oh, that's... Um... First of all, I'm so thankful that you had me on this morning. And I think that this is something that people sitting in churches just don't realize. You know, we we walk into church on Sunday morning and most of us go in, you know, some of our nicer clothes and we're kind of cleaned up and we put on our happy faces and we walk into church. And um, the thing that a lot of people don't realize when we do walk into church that way is that there are so many sitting around us in those settings that have these deep, dark secrets. And one of those deep, dark secrets is abortion. Uh, it's not its not something pleasant to think about, particularly on a Sunday morning. But, um, you know, the, the numbers, if you, if you just even look at that stunning number that there have been over 65 million abortions since 1973 in the United States, it, it, you just have to know that 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 um, means that 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 number includes many many people who are sitting in churches every Sunday. They may not have been sitting in churches when they had their abortion, um, but many many of them are sitting in churches now. And I'll tell you, literally every time I have spoken to a group about abortion, and I've shared a bit of my own story. Literally every time, Carmen, I have someone come up to me and they'll just in a whisper say to me, me too. I did that too. Mm-hmm. I had that experience. Uh, I know that you and I have read um, some of this current research that's out there um, uh, from, a, from a, a recent survey of church-going yes. people in America. Um, and so one in six people who regularly attend church um, share that they have paid for, encouraged, or had an abortion. Um, so that's that's the women who would have been mothers and maybe mothers now. Uh, that's the men who paid for, encouraged, or in some cases demanded 
that their daughter, their wife, their girlfriend have an abortion. Um, if, if something like, you know, 17% of the women in church have had an abortion and 15% of the men in church have paid for or actively encouraged someone to get an abortion, um, then this is a shared experience of a lot of people that we are, for the most part, not talking about in the context of, um, of our congregations today. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I always say that these individuals are hidden in plain sight, right in front of the pastors, right in front of the worship team. They're sitting there hidden in plain sight. And I believe that it's a huge mission field. There are many people sitting in those churches who've had those past experiences that are struggling. One of the things that just was so, so impacted me as I read this article um, on this study from Family Research Council was this statement by David Claussen from Family Research Council. He said, if America's most devout Christians are confused about abortion, there is little hope for the pro-life movement. And I would expand upon that statement and say, if America's most devout Christians are confused about abortion, more of them may have abortions. And Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. America's most devout Christians are confused about abortions, less of them are going to be able to confidently respond to pro-choice arguments and defend life. That's that's just heartbreaking. Yeah, and we talk about um, the church-going population in America. If you're listening right now and you go to church, I just want you to just ask yourself, do I actually know what the Bible says? about when human life begins? Do I know what the Bible says um, about abortion? Do, do I have any idea? Uh, am, I, am I clear on that? Am I um, forming my understanding of life when it begins, who is sovereign over it, um, from a biblical perspective or from things that the culture has taught me? We're going to continue this conversation with Kay Kiefer in just a, in a moment, and we're going um, we're gonna to talk about those those questions. What does the Bible actually say about when human life begins? And then, as a Christian, am I actually applying that to my own decision-making in my own family and my own life decisions? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. The Bible is valuable, and reading and studying the Bible can transform your life. Hi, I'm Angela Smith, host of Reading the Bible Together podcast. Several times a year, we release a new Reading the Bible Together study— We've studied Luke, Daniel, Advent, Lent, and so many more. You can access all of our studies for free by going to the Reading the Bible Together resource page at myfaithradio.com. In addition to the studies, we also have the accompanying podcast. You can listen wherever you listen to podcasts. You can study on your own, or if your small group or Bible study is looking for what to study next, check out the Reading the Bible Together resource page at myfaithradio.com. Kay Kiefer is here. The resources um, that you need to not only um, become personally equipped and ministered to in relationship to abortion, but to prepare yourself in the context of your church or your counseling ministry um, or your your neighborhood life-affirming pregnancy center. Um, The website is We Are Everywhere. 
life. We are everywhere. Life. Um, Kay, in this uh, in this Family Research Council um, survey, churchgoers were asked what the Bible says about when human life begins. Um, 65% said the Bible is actually clear on that. But that means there's a whole lot of people who go to church regularly who do not think the Bible is clear on when life begins. Um, 21% said uh, the Bible does not identify when human life begins. And another 13%, you know, confessed that they didn't know. Um, The survey also found responses that were wildly varied in terms of what the Bible teaches about abortion. So can you just clarify those two things for us? This is a subject matter you talk about a lot. Does the Bible address the question of when life begins, and does it uh, does it deal with the topic of abortion? And if so, how? Well, the, I believe that the Bible absolutely does, uh, does clarify for us when life begins. Um, life begins when God, um, in cooperation with a man and woman, um, breathes life. It's, it's when that it's the reproductive system is just such a beautiful symphony, if you will. And when you look at it, I don't know how anybody can say they don't believe in God. Once you really look at how the reproductive system works, but when that egg meets that sperm, that new life has begun. And it's very clear in scripture. God talks about before, before I formed you, I knew you. Um, I don't think that there's great confusion in scripture about when life begins, but I do think, as you mentioned, there is great confusion sitting in our churches every Sunday. And I think that that provides such a rich opportunity for churches to clear away the confusion. When you started your morning today, Carmen, you said, God has it all sorted. He has Mm -hmm. it all sorted. He has this issue sorted as well. All we need to do as church bodies is to share that information with the people sitting in the seats every Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, there are uh, there's great confusion um, across a range of topics uh, that are discussed in this survey. Maybe the most troubling to me um, actually doesn't have anything to do with this particular subject. But then, as I thought about it, maybe it does. So 47%, that's nearly half, 47% of regular church attendees on any given Sunday in America, half, quote, believe they will live in eternity with God because they have confessed their sins and accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Not even half of the people regularly attending church believe the gospel. I mean, and so... Um, maybe I'm not surprised that if you don't believe the, the core tenet of the Christian faith, that, um, that because of Jesus, um, your sins can be forgiven. You can be reconciled to God. You can not only spend eternity, um, with God, but you can live in a redeemed relationship with God, a reconciled relationship right now. Maybe, Kay, um, the most important thing that you and I could do today would be talk about um, new life in Christ, redemption. What has been your experience of being a person redeemed? Well, Carmen, I 
had thoughts years and years ago um, after my abortion that I had very possibly committed the one unforgivable sin, the one thing that God couldn't forgive or would not forgive. And I mean, I had great guilt and shame and regret regret in my life. And, and um, I was guilty, but I didn't understand the gospel. Um, I hadn't heard my spiritual leaders speaking to uh, speaking clearly uh, about the issue of abortion in relation to the gospel. And I do think you're right. Like we need to hear that strong gospel message woven into every message that we hear in church on Sunday morning. I'm fortunate. My husband and I attend a fabulous church in our community where they do that. They weave it in to literally every message. And we need that. We live in a dark world. We need that hope. We need to know that there is absolutely nothing we can do that can separate us from God's love. All we need to do is turn around, lift up our hands, and give it to him. Confess it to him. Tell him, I am I so regret that, Lord. I am so sorry I did that, Lord. I turn from that and I ask you to forgive me. And it's already done. Did you hear Kay? Did you hear her? I hope you did. Um, you, you're guilty. Like sin is real. Um, but forgiveness is available, possible, offered. And God wants you to know his love. God God already sees and God knows and God's got it all sorted. And God wants you to experience his goodness and his grace, his genuine um, reconciliation. There is nothing you have ever done um, that Christ hasn't paid for on the cross. Nothing. Nothing. Um, and so we want you to hear that this morning. Kay and I want you to hear, um, that God is real. Um, grace is real. New life is possible and you can walk, you can walk in, um, the freedom of uh, freedom from past sin of all kinds and all varieties, including abortion. Maybe you uh, paid for an abortion, and that's the sin you need to confess before the Lord today. Forgiveness is possible. Um, maybe you um, demanded that your daughter have an abortion, your girlfriend have an abortion, your wife have an abortion. Maybe that's the sin you need to confess today. Forgiveness is possible. Maybe you had an abortion. Um, maybe you are... Um, the woman who, for reasons beyond the imagining of anyone else, made a decision to to end a pregnancy. Um, grace is real, and it's available today in Jesus Christ, and we want you to hear that. There are lots of resources and a wonderful community of people available at weareeverywhere.life. If you are a church leader, a healthcare provider, a counselor, if you run a life-affirming uh, pregnancy care center, if you are a person impacted by abortion, if you have had an abortion, we want you to visit today. 
weareeverywhere.life. Kay, as always, um, thank you so much for your friendship and your fellowship in this ministry. Carmen, thank you. And thank you so much for your willingness to start your morning off with this topic that is difficult to hear about and listen to. I just so appreciate you and the work that you do. Well, it's mutual. It's mutual. Um, Pet a llama for me today. I will do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All snugly. All right. That's Kay Kiefer. You can find her at weareeverywhere.life. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All righty. Um, now I just want to make this, you know, like transition to the reality that uh, we we got a lot of kids. There are a lot of kids. Kids are everywhere. I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, do you actively, like, is your first inclination to pray for them when you see them? I'm not sure that is always my first inclination when I encounter a child, uh, particularly a child that maybe is um, kicking the back of my seat on an airplane. Like, my first inclination is not to pray for them. <clears throat> it's just not. Just confess that straight out. Um It's not my first inclination when they're kicking the back of my seat when I'm driving a car, um, when they're screaming their full head off. Like, it's just not. It's like praying for them is not my first inclination, but I want it to be. (laughs) I want that to be my first inclination. And so um, I want you to join me today in praying for uh, kids and their moms and their dads and their teachers. I want you to join me in praying today for schools, school resource officers, um, school counselors. I'm hoping that as I'm saying these uh, sort of categories, God is bringing particular individuals to mind. Um, He's doing that for me. Like, you know, like I know a school resource officer. Um, His name is Gray. Um, I know a, a school counselor. And so I want uh, I want you to allow God to bring individuals to mind as we sort of name off categories, school teachers, um, after school care providers, the people who work in school lunchrooms, the people who clean school classrooms, um, the the people who are monitoring school safety, the coaches, the teachers, um, the administrators. The school board members. I mean, there's just so many people engaged in the education of um, the next generation. And I want you to pray for them today. I'm going to pray for them today. And Moms in Prayer is a wonderful ministry that equips us to pray for our kids um, and for other people's kids, the kids who our kids go to school with. I mean, it, just for a moment, who is going to have more influence over your children or grandchildren today? You or their peers? So I want to be praying for their peers. I want to be praying that God would um, encounter all those boys and girls who Evelyn is going to be with today, my nine-year-old granddaughter. Um, I want to pray for all those boys and girls that Matthew, my 17-year-old, um, every single other student that he encounters today at Harpeth High, I want I want to pray for them. Um, I want to pray for the ones who didn't have a good night's sleep or no place to sleep, who didn't feel safe last night. And I want to pray for the ones who didn't have enough to eat or don't have enough to eat today or don't know um, where they belong, where they fit, 
who are confused about their identity, who don't know Jesus. And then I want to pray for all the ones who do, all, all the ones that um, are, are living in wonderful, secure, happy households where every need is met and where a future filled with hope not only is a promise in the Bible, but it like, seems like a positive, possible future they're, they're about to walk into. I want to pray for all of them and each of them. So would you just let the Lord bring some kids to mind right now? Maybe it is a kid you have um, seen kind of wandering aimlessly about in your community. Maybe, um, maybe there is a kid who lives on your street. Maybe there is a kid who goes to your church. Let the Lord bring a child to mind right now and pray for them. We're going to talk with Sally Burke from Moms in Prayer about uh, praying ardently and specifically and intentionally during this academic school year. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Wonderful to have back with us today, Sally Burke from Moms in Prayer. You can find all the resources we're talking about today at momsinprayer.org. Sally, welcome back. Well, thank you for having me back. And Carmen, I am so happy how you understand the power of prayer and the great need for the children and schools right now. Yeah, absolutely. We have done um, prayer walks toward the end of the summer around the campuses of schools near us and are praying right now for specific teachers and students and administrators. So I'd love for you to invite everybody um, to be praying for our schools, praying for our students. Um, Can you just invite us into that, Sally? Oh, I would love to. You see, we've been given this divine moment of time to intercede on behalf of the children in schools. God has the most amazing plans for this generation, but he calls us to pray. He tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. And he says, put on that full armor of God. Then he tells us to pray. And as we pray, we unleash God's power to do his will and to fulfill the great destiny that our children and each and every child and teacher administrator on those school campuses. So come join us at Moms in Prayer. You're going to learn uh, and witness and see who our God is and see the power of prayer. So one of my favorite things about engaging with moms in prayer is actually how much you learn about the character of God. So can you talk about how that is woven into this ministry? Yes. Yeah. Well, when you come into our moms in prayer group, we meet one hour once a week and it's all about God's word. We start with praise and we look up a name, attribute, a character of God, like God is sovereign or he's omniscient. He's at all places at all times, or that he's our loving father. He's, you know, whatever name it is, we look up scripture and we see who he says he is and God enters the praises of his people. So we read a few scriptures and then we praise him. The Holy Spirit just fills our hearts and we can't help but praise him as we enter into the very throne room of God on behalf of the children and the schools. So praise is phenomenal. I I remember one time it was the Lord, our banner. And I was asking God, why that attribute? It's very few verses in the scriptures. Well, my principal came running up to me and he was not a believing man at that time, but he saw the power of God and he stops me and he goes, Sally, you're God. 
has answered so many prayers and protected the kids. And he listed off like three or four things where God's protection was obvious. He goes, it's like you have an umbrella over our school as you pray. And I thought, oh, Lord, you are our banner. Mm. That's such a powerful image. I mean, placing a placing a hedge of protection um, around our schools, asking for God to provide them I mean, literal angelic protection against the schemes of, of the enemy and those would see, who would seek to to do harm. I mean, I think those are all really, really powerful um, images that I have uh, learned through this ministry and and have experienced. So we're going to start. Um, we're going to start with praise. We're going to praise God for who He is. We're going to examine who God says He is and use one of those specific names or character qualities of God and really bring that bring that forward and praise God for who he is. This is such an important and critical place to start because uh, I think, Sally, we're tempted to just start with the laundry list um, or the list of names. We want to, we tend to want to start with intercession, but actually intercession is the fourth, sort of the fourth step um, in, in the steps of prayer at Moms in Prayer. So if we start with praise and eventually we get to intercession, which we'll talk about in a moment, what are those two, um, what are those two, um, prayer points in the middle. Well, as you said, we always start with praise by fixing our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith by seeking out who he is by name, by attribute. And I, I always think about Isaiah uh, six when he's in the very throne room of God and he sees uh, the worship of God. You can't help it when you're in the presence of God. Holy, holy art there God almighty who was, who is, who is to come. And then he says, woe me a man of unclean lips. And as we praise God, we need the next to confess our sins. And we saw that uh, he was cleansed of his sins. And and I, I really like that picture because then later he could hear the voice of, of God. And when God said, whom shall we send? And he says, here I am, Lord. And we want to hear the voice of God as we intercede for the children in school. So confession is so important. And, and confession is just simply uh, realizing what your sin is, repenting of it and turning away from your sin and turning back to God. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And we are still entering that throne room of God with praise and thanksgiving, as he tells us in Psalms 103. And so we we confess our sins, we're cleansed, we're his vessels, ready to go. And then I call the next step a Holy Spirit party. It's a time of thanksgiving, a time of rejoicing in the answers to prayer. It can be as simple as the kindergartner learning to tie his shoe or as big as where we see on campus is thousands of kids coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Every week we see an answer to prayer and every week we bring glory to God by acknowledging that, thanking him for doing that, which is impossible. I uh, I heard an interview um, with the new uh, newly named teacher of the year. And, um, and she was talking about, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have any idea if, uh, if she's a Christian, that's not something I'm aware of, but um, uh, I heard her talking about coming up with one good thing like from each and every day, and that that was one of the things early in her career that was just so critical and important. And when I think about this uh, this pausing to make a litany of thanksgiving before the Lord, 
Um, there is one good thing to say about every child and every teacher and every classroom and every administrator and every school and every coach and every team and every day. There is something, there's something good. Um, and so um, thanking God for those glimpses of glory, those even very small successes, the things that bring him joy, um, those are critical. And that is such a, a critical and important part of um, of our prayer attention um, is the seeing the, the places where God is evident and active. Sally, before we jump into the conversation specifically about intercession, we got to take a very brief break. But we're talking with Sally Burke. You can find what we're talking about and engage at momsinprayer.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. As we consider the life of Jesus and the life of the first generation of Christians— Reading here the book of Acts and all the letters to the Christians in the New Testament, we see people who like wake up. They come to see and understand and then receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And it changes everything. We see Christians then telling other people about the good news and inviting them to respond in repentance, be baptized, and follow Jesus. The movement of Christianity grows person by person and then exponentially as people walking in darkness receive the light of Christ and want others to know what they know and have what they have. Well, you and I are living in dark days. People need light. And Jesus is the light of the world today in the same way that he was the light of the world at the beginning of creation and at the first Christmas and throughout his life on earth and in his radiance now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. So if you're walking in darkness of any kind today, I invite you to consider Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. Sally Burke is with us today from Moms in Prayer. You can connect with Moms in Prayer and a Moms in Prayer group at a school near you at momsinprayer.org. Sally, we have talked about um, what what happens when we get together with others to pray for our schools and students and administrators and, and on and on and on. We come together and we acknowledge who God is. We examine what God says about himself, looking at um, God's names and attributes, and that leads us into a time of praise, um, which then leads us into a time of confession, because having seen God, we also then see ourselves, and we recognize our sin. Um, And then we rejoice together in answered prayers, which leads us then to the fourth step in prayer, and that is intercession. Can you talk about that? Yes, I would love to. Just think about the time of Thanksgiving grows your faith. So you hold up that shield of faith, and all those fiery darts that are coming your way, you're marching forward on behalf of the children in school. And intercession is a vital part. We think about how in Ezekiel 22, when God said, I found no one, no one to stand the gap for the children of Israel. So they were taken captive. And we look at Jesus, our incredible example, who stood in the gap for Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you. He could have chosen anything and he chose prayer, intercessory prayer, which defeats the enemy. The word intercession or interrupt 
that's what it means. So we're interrupting the plans of Satan. Since the beginning of time, Satan has come, we see in Genesis 3, to steal the hearts and the minds and the souls of the children of God. Yet, as we intercede, we're unleashing God's power to do his will here on this earth. And there's nothing more powerful than our God. And we use intercession. It is a time where we break up into groups of two. And that picture is in Exodus 17, where Moses was standing as the children of Israel were in the battlefield. He was interceding using his staff while his arms grew tired and weary. So his two friends, Aaron and her, came alongside of him and held up his arms. And they were victorious. And God told him, remember this. Tell this to Joshua. And the power of two or more where they're gathered together. And then we use God's word. As far as the heavens are above the earth are God's ways above ours. And I learned that over and over again. I would pray something for my children, like, oh, may they hit a home run in the in the baseball game. And yet, as I prayed God's word, may they be completely humble and gentle and patient, bearing everybody in love. I witnessed his word come alive in their lives. And I watched him move not only in their lives, but as we prayed for each student on that campus, may, may they hear the words of truth, the gospel of salvation, believe and be sealed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And watching tons of children coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they'll tell you today it was because moms were praying for them. It's so good. Um, so when you're interceding for, for your school, um, intercede for the children the children you know and the children you don't know, the children whose moms you know and the children who may not have a mom who's praying for them. We want you to pray scripturally, praying scripture um, over your child and p- praying um, God's promises uh, over them as well, praying specifically for concerns that you uh, that you have or that you're aware of, praying for teachers and administrators and coaches, praying for concerns um, at your school um, and concerns that you have for your school. And then, you know, also praying for others who are praying. Um, so praying for moms in prayer is another component part of what happens every week. Um, I'm wondering at this specific time of year, like as some folks have already started back to school, Sally, um, and they may have fresh concerns. There are now kids that they didn't know before, and now now they do know and are concerned about, or new teachers and new new challenges that might be faced um, at this particular time of year, um, are there specific ways that you invite us to pray? Oh, yes. I, I want you to know that God has given us, the, again, this divine moment of time. So every teacher on your campus is placed there by our sovereign Lord. And we get to pray for them to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Like at my children's elementary school, 15 out of the 22 teachers came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And then started a teachers and prayer on that campus that's still going there today. Every child that we would take the yearbook and we would pray for them. Well, God brings a good news club onto our public school campus and over a hundred kids would come, you know, once a month and they would hear the gospel. And many of them receive Jesus as their Lord and their savior. And today they're teachers and preachers, mighty men and women of God. God is at work. We need not be fearful. We need to be prayerful and and take all of our fears, all of our worries and 
and, and take them to the very throne room of God and pray for the children in your kids' class. Take that yearbook, pray for them. Pray for every teacher, every administrator, even bus drivers. Our bus driver started a Bible study at the bus depot and eight bus drivers came. And so nobody's too hard. Nobody's impossible. If there's a curriculum you're worried about, take it to the Lord. He is greater than any political system that's out there. And as we've taken it to him, we watch either curriculum be removed or, or those teachers and ministers come to know Jesus Christ. And, and, and so it's just an opportunity. I want you to see that an opportunity in which you're those vessels in which our extraordinary God works through. We may be ordinary. He's extraordinary and his power will move through you to change, to transform the hearts and the minds and the souls of each and every person on those school campuses and for protection. I mean, it was a couple months ago, uh, we witnessed the, the, the stopping of shooting, even though guns were on this campus, no harm came to them because those moms are praying for protection around those school campuses. So there's so much we get to witness and see as we gather just one hour once a week and we pray using those four steps of prayer. Your life will be changed and that school will be transformed. So I love, um, you know, your acknowledgement that this ministry is is connected and celebrates and lifts up others. So good news clubs. Um, we've also recently been introduced to LifeWise Academy, and we really like that one um, that they're, you know, getting kids um, the Bible during the school day. Um, teachers in prayer, you've mentioned the bus driver Bible study, all kinds of, of great things. I know that See You at the Pole is coming up. Um, that's a time of prayer. For those of you that don't know, uh, See You at the Pole is a time of prayer on the fourth Wednesday of September. Students meet at their school flagpole before school to lift up their friends, families, teachers, the school, the nation. Um, it's student-initiated and student-organized and student-led. Um, and so that would be something else, um, Sally, that we could all be praying toward and praying about would be see you at the poll. Yes, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing that these students, okay, it's student-led. They gather around the poll. They pray for their fellow students. They pray for their teachers. They witness God move. And some of them do it every day. My oldest boy, it, it wasn't just on that day. That day just launched them to pray mm -hmm. each day around that pool and we want to empower our children with prayer i look at daniel as friends uh, they weren't conformed to to the world but they transformed the hearts and minds of kings they were mighty prayer warriors i have a feeling that their moms and dads were praying for them because when it got sticky they were on their knees praying and so our kids empower them with the gift of prayer. But yes, we pray for a see you at the pool every single year. That's so great. Um, hey, you can connect with Moms in Prayer and the resources that are needed to engage in your own community at momsinprayer.org. Sally, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Carmen. I appreciate this time. Yeah, likewise. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Hmm, who's on your prayer list today? Who are you um, specifically praying for? I'm praying today for a friend and his wife um, who lost a baby last week. And I confess that I cannot imagine their grief. And so as I was um, thinking about how to pray for them, 
I was reminded of Melinda's story. And Melinda says this, most of us um, begin loving a child the moment we discover we're pregnant. And the love grows as the child grows within us and we dream about what they will look like and whether it'll be a boy or a girl. We may already have a name in mind for them um, before they're even conceived. The love grows deeper with each passing day and we think of them constantly and we fall deeply in love. And if we lose the baby, it can be devastating because we loved this little person even though we hadn't gotten the chance to meet them yet. With deep love comes deep grief. Our hearts break because the one we loved is gone and the day we longed for where we'd hold them in our arms and count their fingers and toes and celebrate their birth, that's gone and it can be very difficult to understand. Melinda um, then shares the story of her pregnancy loss at six weeks. And she said, I was hurt and I was angry and I wanted the baby so much and I didn't understand why God allowed my miscarriage. It didn't seem fair. Of course, I was um, maybe less spiritually mature at this time of my life and maybe I threw temper tantrums like a spoiled toddler might do. Um, I didn't want to talk to God for a couple of weeks. Just so that you know, Melinda is now um, a grandmother, and um, she had a daughter-in-law who went into labor at 21 weeks and gave premature birth to um, Melinda's granddaughter, Nora. Nora only lived about two hours outside of the womb. And Melinda shares that deep grief um, as crushing. She says, we were so madly in love with Nora. The ultrasound photo a couple of weeks earlier had captured a big smile and even what looked like a wave. She was precious to us. Melinda counts it as a particular grace of God that they were able to hold Nora before she went to be with him. Holding her and knowing she wouldn't survive was both a wonderful and horrible experience. She was perfectly beautiful, perfectly formed. She was just born too soon. Why would God give and then take away? My guess is you have somebody in your life who has experienced a pregnancy loss. Um, just bringing this conversation to the surface, just sharing that you're praying for somebody that you know who has lost a baby, um, will will bring up um, lots of conversations about this because this is a shared experience of many, many people. So I want to encourage you to pray today. Pray for the parents. Pray for the family. Pray for the baby. Thank God for the little ones. Trust God in the midst of it. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. But this we know because God has revealed it. Every single one of those is precious to him, conceived of by God before the foundations of the earth and certainly in his loving arms forever and ever. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We have another hour up together next.
Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.